We welcome all who come to St. Anne's today and to those who join us by way of live stream in your spiritual communion, knowing that if you're sick or shut in, we are united with you by bonds of charity and prayer together as we offer this sacrifice of the Mass. How long, O Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. The words of our first reading from the prophet Habakkuk. How many times have you asked the Lord in fervent prayer and you persevered maybe for months or even years for a blessing or something that you needed and you felt as though God wasn't listening. I cry for help, but you do not listen. I was nine years old, more or less. We had moved back from San Diego to McLean, Virginia. And my older brother, Charlie, who was very smart, I guess, said to me, it's time that you played some sports. So he got me involved with the Boys Club of McLean in their soccer team. And I was assigned as a left wing. That's the guy that runs back and forth on the extreme of the whole field and hopefully gets a ball. I never got the ball. For two seasons, I ran up and down the field at the extreme along the sidelines and I never got the ball. I hated soccer. <laughs> so my older brother, again very smart, Charlie, says it's time for basketball. So I said, okay. Younger brothers always trust their older brothers, right? So I got into this other little club and I never played. I stayed on the bench the whole season. I never got to play basketball. I hate basketball. <laughs> so I got smart myself and never trusted my older brother ever again <laughs> and decided to play tennis. Why? Because in tennis, you always get the ball. <laughs> A creative response to an unknown situation. Let's reflect on that today. You've been working hard at it and you expect you're going to be a player in the play of life and you're not getting the ball. It doesn't seem fair. It's not right. It's not fair, you say. I should get the ball. I sh I'm on the team. Uh, why aren't they respecting me? You get frustrated, perhaps, impatient, angry. Life is unfair. Not fair. Over and over and over again. How long, O oh Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. Habakkuk goes on. I cry out to you, violence, but you do not intervene. Why do you let me see ruin? Why must I look at misery? Destruction and violence are before me. 
there is strife and clamorous discord. Now, much bigger than my little world of sports is what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and Florida, the European market, in our nation. In fact, you could add to the list clamorous discord, violence, misery, ruin, all that stuff. In fact, Habakkuk says, why must I look at it? And we look at it a lot in our social media. We're looking at so much going on. And my guess is nothing's essentially ever changed. It's just that the world is a lot smaller only because we're in touch with it immediately, every second of the day. So the information about violence and misery and destruction is all around us. And we say, with the people of Ukraine perhaps, or certainly during the Holocaust, the Jews in Nazi Germany, how long, O oh Lord, I cry for help, but you do not listen. I cry out to you, violence, but you don't intervene. The front cover of Time magazine in the early 60s, long after the Second World War was over, with so much destruction throughout Europe and so many lives lost. In fact, all the carnage of the 20th century, human carnage alone, the tens and twenties and thirties of millions of people exterminated all over the world was more than the entire amount of death from war in the history of mankind. So much so that Time Magazine featured on the front cover, God is dead. I cry out to you, but you do not intervene. Why do you not listen to me, O Lord? It's a big problem. It's a big problem. And a lot of people just give up on God and walk away because they're not getting what they want. And they make deals with God. After a while, you begin to say, okay, now there's got to be a, a way that we negotiate this, Lord. I'll do this for you, and you do this for me. Let's make a deal. Door number one, door number two, door number three. I'll take a chance. Right? Let's make a deal, Lord. And that doesn't work. Just like soccer didn't work and basketball didn't work. So there's a creative response now an invitation to a creative response on your part to that unknown situation. What are you going to do about it? It's very practical. It's spiritual, but it's practical, spiritual. You've got to be very creative to that unknown situation about health or wealth, your family, your parents, your children, your neighborhood, the nation, the world, whatever globe you want to focus on, a creative response to an unknown situation. Now, as I say, a lot of people give up on God, but you don't, or maybe you have in the past and you have decided that that's not a good option, and so you come back to him, and maybe you've just begun to accept life the way it is, 
or whatever your circumstance, but you have within you already faith. See, that was given to you in baptism. That's in you already. So St. Paul will say in that second reading, I remind you to stir into flame the gift of God that you have been given. So you just got to blow on those embers of the fire that's already within you and ignite it again. Even when you are despairing or desperate or you've given up hope, then allow your friends to do that for you. That's why we pray for each other. We pray that the Holy Spirit may increase within you that gift of faith that was given to you in baptism and confirmed. Now, we just don't believe that. We, we know this in faith, that God has given us this gift of faith. Not everybody has it. And some have more and some have less. Some have strong roots and some have weak roots, okay? But we all have it by virtue of baptism. So stir into flame again the gift of God that was given to you. That's why the apostles will say, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, they have it already. But they want more. Which is why our Lord says, look, you've got the faith already. If you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could do a lot of things. So it's a reminder. I'm always preaching to the choir because you all get this. But you have within you already the creative response to the unknown situation whatever you're going through that creative response is the increase of faith to trust to trust now think about it of all the things that mankind has prayed for and wanted from God like peace joy, happiness, wealth, health, power, prestige, and in a lot of nations, just national security and power and more money and greater economy and position and all those things of the world. No culture, no civilization on earth has ever prayed or could understand to pray for a savior. Even for ancient Jews, it wasn't so much a savior that we understand. It's the Messiah who is a king, a kind of restoration of the kingdom of David with the wisdom of Solomon and the power and prestige of Jerusalem that no other nation on earth would ever subjugate them again to slavery, that they would be number one, all-powerful, and that all nations would come to adore them. That's what was envisioned, for the most part, for a Messiah. But a Savior? Did the world ever pray for a Savior? So back to Habakkuk, in this prophecy, the Lord says, look, the vision that you have, Habakkuk, 
still has its time. It presses on to fulfillment and will not disappoint. If it delays, wait for it. Wait for it, for surely it will come. It will not be late. Friends, salvation from sin and the pledge and promise of life eternal in the resurrection of the body. Did anyone ever pray for that? Raise your hands if you ever prayed for that. I'm not surprised. It's incredible. It's unimaginable. Why would God ever want to become man? And why would God, as a man, ever want to do that? For you and for the many that sins may be forgiven? This is my body, this is my blood for you. I absolve you from your sins. I've given you what the world can't give you. Immortality in the resurrection of your body with life everlasting in the company of this magnificent woman, all the angels and saints. See, God has already done so much for us. And I don't want to say we dare to ask for more. That's okay. But did you ever just sit back and thank God for the gift of his divine son? I mean, what more do you really need out of life? What do I need? I make my list of what I want, and as children we do that. I want this, I want that. iPhones and iPads and I this and I that. Yeah, it's all about me. Okay. But at some point in the spiritual life, we begin to develop gratitude, thanksgiving, for all that God has done that we never imagined. So the creative response in the unknown situations where there's destruction and evil and violence and you feel as though life is unfair because they're not letting you play ball the way you want, is to step back from all of that and thank God. And thank God for all the blessings you have received that you don't even know and maybe the ones you never prayed for that are being given to you right now. I mean, God is in control of this. We think we are. We all think that, and it sounds cliche, but we're here to make the world a better place. Okay, I get that in some sense. But be careful that you don't think that you alone or that we alone or that the world can make heaven on earth. See, that's a mistake. Let's make the world the best place that everyone will be happy. Well, that's paradise lost, see. We don't want that. No, because when you have a happy world and everything's perfect, no more suffering, no more pain, no more hunger, no more poverty, who needs God to redeem that? See, God's so intelligent. This is what he decided to do freely that we could never imagine and we never even prayed for to become one of us, 
to die as the perfect act of sacrifice to atone for all sin, for all religions, for all time, past, present, future, living, dead. He's come to save Republicans and Democrats too. Independence, I don't know. But God is very much in control of this. So Habakkuk is raising this question because it's a natural question. Lord, where are you? And we know in faith, he's here. You don't have to look far to find Jesus. In his word, in his sacrament, in the church for 2,022 years until the end of time, in a very distinctive way through his body and blood in the Holy Eucharist at Mass. This is amazing. We never prayed for that. We never prayed for the sacraments. We never prayed for the Bible. God gave us all these things. And the response is, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all that. To stir into action the gift of God that has already been given to you. Then St. Paul goes on, guard this rich trust with the help of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. So St. Paul is already imprisoned, and he knows his death is coming. And Peter, too, is about to be crucified. They're in Rome, in the Mamertine prison. Nero is the emperor. And he's writing these letters, and he's saying, don't give up your faith in the midst of violence and destruction and misery. God is in control of this. Okay? So whatever you're going through, Whatever the world's going through, once again, it's just a wake-up call to all of us to say, Lord, increase our faith to trust. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. And deliver us, Lord, from every evil. Grant us peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Lord and Savior, our Savior. Jesus Christ.